0: Welcome back to Just Goes to Show. This is your co-host, Ridge. Welcome back, listeners.
1: Hey, everybody. Good to have you back. Uh, coming back with another Monday here. Packed weekend a uh, Premier League action behind us here. Celebrating MLK Day off work. Love MLK Day. Yeah, it's been great. Um, really good weekend of football. Excited to catch up a little bit here um, get into some storylines, couple of fun things we got planned, but anything on your mind to start, Jack? Um, I think, yeah, I, I'm eager to toss you a curveball, or
0: more of a softball, actually. The trivia that I came up with is kind of weak, so you should do well Ooh. there. Um, and then we're going to hit you with our Premier League top performers from the season. We're going to give you like a starting
1: 11 uh, Dream players. team, some may call it.
0: Yeah, I kind of went a different angle on it, but we can talk about it when we get there. Um, but headliners from the weekend, um, the major headline just to, to jump into it for the, all the bias Crystal Palace listeners. Um, Crystal Palace lost to Liverpool in a seven-goal thriller at Anfield. Um, Salah was hit by a sniper and went down flopping in the box. That's been broken down several times on Twitter. Um, but, major headline for me on the weekend was Crystal Palace can play, Liverpool are human, they can concede goals at Anfield. And even though Palace were able to beat City away at City, um, they look like they could have beaten Liverpool and I think Uh, A lot of people have thought that Liverpool are unplayable and they're going to run away with the title for the rest of the season, but I think Palace proved that they're human and and they can lose some games here uh, come down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a really exciting fixture for those who didn't see. Palace went up 1-0 and had the lead going into the half. Liverpool come out and score two right away. and then I mean, they had the lead from there on out, but Palace made it really interesting, I think, They showed that Liverpool can be broken down a little bit defensively. They'd come into that match only conceding 10 goals all season. They're give up three goals at home to a team that doesn't really have a striker. is pretty shocking on their end, but I think it's also a testament to Liverpool. They still come away with three points, so all is not lost there. But it was really exciting. Um, I think, for me, the most frustrating part as a Palace fan is being able to you know, come away with three goals against that could of a defense and not get a single point, but yeah, it's, it's typical from palace. I, I was, I was thinking about it. Palace never get blown out. Like they never
0: lose a game really big where, you know, they go down five, nothing and, you know, lose at home or on the road. Like we, every time we lose, it's like a heartbreaker. It's like one or two goals, a small mistake, a fluke, a penalty, something like that. Um, which is cool. Cause like you play the level of your competition. It's always a, most of the time it's a decent game. Um, but we don't really blow anybody out either at the same time. You know, it's not like we win games four or five nil. So it's just kind of the way tactically we set up. We're designed to absorb pressure. And then on the flip side, if Pep Guardiola is listening or any, you know, uh, anyone is tuning in, any English managers, Eddie Howe, anyone who any managers in the Premier are listening to this podcast, I think Palace showed how you beat Liverpool. And that is you suck we in have the formula. Yes, yes, blueprint. You, you suck in, and here it is from, straight from my mouth, you, you suck in the pressure, you absorb, you absorb, you absorb. You don't need to play at Liverpool. You need to create small kind of triangles in your own half. Liverpool get very aggressive with their pressure and they'll throw everyone at you trying to create a turnover. Um, and if your players can be smart, um, and really, really intelligent on the ball, um, you can, it can quickly, with a small triangle, pass your way out of your own half and hit someone on the counter very quickly. And Palace did that a few times. That's what they did in their first um, goal, the Townsend
1: yes. goal. They had a few really, really Ed nice Myers passes at the end they well. connected on that um, were like real quick last second where if they waited on the ball a little bit longer, they would have lost it. But they connected four or five together and then um, one touch in the box goal.
0: Yeah, I think, the, I think the way to beat Liverpool is to kind of, like, let them come at you further than, you know, in a more aggressive fashion than the way, uh, or, like, let them u- use their aggressiveness against them kind of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, and I think that's so what you do And the other thing that was tough for Palace is uh, Julian Speroni, Palace legend, 39 years old. He did not have a good uh, performance in net. Third no. string keeper, so he hadn't played in, like, a year, but uh, the, one of the goals in particular was Salah's goal, but not really. That was all on him. Terror. So it was tough. I mean, he's a Palace legend. We're not going to hate on him, but that really would have changed the match too if they would have had a, someone else in net who had been playing consistently. Right. Um, also, did you see Jurgen Klopp was saying after the match that like it was a big win for Liverpool because a lot of people were saying that Palace were going to beat them and it was like a tough fixture for them. You're playing a bottom half team at home.
0: Yeah, like, Jurgen Klopp clearly... With a third choice keeper. He's clearly a brilliant manager, and he does a really good job, but I think part of the reason what he does is he creates, like, really, really positive narratives for his team. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, there's, like, an element of, like, salesmanship there, which is, like, you know, cool. Full credit to you, Jurgen, but also like relax. Like you, you should beat Palace at home, uh, especially if you're expected to win the title. So, like a massive um, win against. Yeah, uh, like I mean, you, Palace
1: did beat uh, City away, but they're not. Let's well, not dramatize it, you know. Right, exactly.
0: Um, but if you flip to the other side of the the title race to attack the top two teams first, uh, Man City cruised past um, the managerless Huddersfield three uh, nil um, goals from Sterling, Sane, and Aguero, I believe. Uh, either way, 3-0 uh, on the road at, against Huddersfield Town. Huddersfield, who look surely like they're down, just actually brought on Jan Sewert, uh, who is, uh, again, another German manager. So they got rid of David Wagner, um, a, their previous German manager, by mutual consent. We talked about that on the last pod. They just picked up Jan Siewert, who is from the Dortmund kind of school of management, uh, over, managing over in Germany, has managed actually Christian Pulisic, um, over at Dortmund, um, he was part of the coaching staff there, not the head coach, but part of the under staff. Under twenty coach, um, yes. And now is coming over to Huddersfield with a similar mentality. And he's—it's interesting—they hired him as the head coach, um, meaning he's in charge of everything on the field in the locker room, but actually don't, won't make transfer decisions or anything like that. They'll have a, a general manager to make those kind of decisions. He's the head coach, not a manager. So interesting.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I guess we'll, speaking of you know this appointment, so I think it's worth noting that they brought him over from Dortmund and there's a lot going on right now between youth youth players I guess going back and forth between England and Germany as well and so he's he was the under 23s coach at Dortmund he um has like I guess the interesting thing with Huddersfield is their former manager David Wagner was kind of like a Jurgen Klopp disciple yeah which is you know German coach uh, Jurgen Klopp's histories from he Dortmund. Worked for, he worked for Klopp. Right. So he was like the apprentice there. And now they're bringing in like another kind of up and coming apprentice German guy from Dortmund. It's like what they did with Wagner, kind of. Yeah. So I mean, I'm sure it's going to be like a different style and it's not like they're the same person, but it is interesting. They're kind of following their, up in their own footsteps there. I think hopefully it'll work out well. I think um, Dortmund have like a culture there of winning, kind of like bringing guys up from their... Youth Academy. And so it'll be interesting to see that at Huddersfield. But they're in a really, really tough spot. They need to make up a lot of points quick or they're going to be in trouble.
0: Exactly. Yeah. You feel like they're going with kind of a sustainability model. And like you generally see, like when teams are as low as Huddersfield are this time of the year, they have like what, 11 points or 12 points or something. They're 11 te- points. Yeah. They're terrible. Um, and so teams always go one of two schools of thought. They either go like, all right, we're going to hire Sam Allardyce, a manager who's proven in the Premier League. We're going to try and draw games away. And maybe sneak a win or two at home and like hopefully we can stay up and have some miraculous escape. Looks like they're going with more of a sustainable approach where they're bringing in a new manager and they want to continue to build the winning culture um, and play attractive football and play football the right way, high press, things like that. So it's interesting – um, it's not like a
1: band aid hire. Exactly. That you see in the it's, middle it's, of the season. They're it, like, hey, you know what? We could see ourselves being with this guy long term. Yeah,
0: exactly. Which, which, full credit to them. That's a brave move to make. But I do anticipate, though, you know, I do anticipate to see them
1: in the championship next season. Well, so then the question is do they stick with him when they go down? Does he want to stay there? I think they will. I th- and then, I mean, but it's tough being a manager on a team that goes relegated or gets relegated to the championship because. You're going to have to sell off a lot of your players. You're not going to have a lot of money to work with. So it's a different mentality. Yep. Um, So there, we've covered kind of the top half of the table. Uh, Palace
0: uh, uh, Palace and Huddersfield losing to Liverpool and City. Liverpool and City keep their four-point distance at the top of the table. Um, And then at the bottom, you've got Huddersfield. Kind of filling in the gaps in between, you've got Spurs, who snuck out a 2-1 late winner, Uh, against Harry Winks, Winks, the smaller Harry uh, to Harry Kane with a dramatic late winner. They won 2-1. The major issue with Spurs, we don't, I I guess, I don't think we really talk enough about Spurs. Arlo White just finished (laughs) this one-on-one with Mauricio Mauricio Pochettino and is like enlightened. Arlo White's the commentator from NBC, something I've listened to a little bit. I think Mauricio Pochettino is like a genius after listening to just parts of it um, and kind of what they've, Developed at Spurs um, and then they have the new stadium coming they're a team that I don't know if we really talk about enough because we talked about them not really buying anybody um, and then the issue right now that is in front of them is because they didn't really buy anybody they've got some injuries to core players Harry Kane uh, son Sun is in the Asian cup or Asian games and he's away from the team from like for like four weeks or something like that. For two um, more weeks, I think. Two more weeks. Yeah. Um, and then Or not even at this Delhi Alley point. just pulled up at the end of the last game. So they've got a team right now with no Alley, no Kane, no Sun. Um, yeah, I mean their depth's being tested, but every time we doubt Spurs, they always
1: pull it out. So I mean those are the three guys that you'd rely on the most for goal scoring. And so it's interesting, you look at um, The first half of the season, they get a lot of praise for, hey, we didn't buy a single player over the summer, and look at us, we're in the top three. And then, just like that, three guys go down, or I mean, I guess they knew Sun was probably going to be gone for a little bit, but three of your guys are unavailable, and now it's like, oh, wow, they didn't buy anybody. And the funny thing is, they're in January, you know, they could try to rush a move in to get somebody in there to fill in a little bit. I don't really think they will. No, do They don't I. seem like a team that would make a move like that to just kind of fill in the cracks and try to get maybe like a cheap loan or even. there's there a lot of clubs out there loaning strikers right now, and they don't seem like they're going to do that even. They actually just offloaded Musa Dembele, and so they don't really seem like they're in panic mode, but maybe they should be a little bit more. But then it, again, they just still pulled out three points against Fulham.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I think that the secret's kind of, the cat's kind of out of the bag with January transfers is that they do, for the majority, they don't work. And I think that, like, you're seeing kind of a – you're seeing a quiet window. Even the the biggest transfer of the window is Christian Pulisic who's not even coming to Chelsea this window. He's coming in the summer. So I think most teams now understand that there's been a lot of analysis over January transfers. How do they work out? Do they affect your season? And I think people are starting to look past the feeling of, like, Oh, we're losing this season. Let's go and grab somebody. And that like ing- feeling of anxiety, if we're not performing as well as we should, driving buying behavior. You're kind of seeing that taper off a little bit. And I don't think teams like Crystal Palace could easily go and grab, spend a bunch of money this January and buy buy some players. They haven't. They could have had I mean, um, Solanke was an example. E- exactly. Uh, and the last time they did spend money in the window, they bought Mamadou Sakho for over thirty million pounds. Which I mean, maybe that's a good signing, but it's definitely overpriced. And then. You know, you look at other teams who have made January windows and January transfers in the past. Speaking of Spurs, they signed um, uh, Musa Sissoko, who they were laughed at for two seasons for making that transfer in, in January, spending 30 million pounds on him, um, and he, you know, wasn't even getting into their team. They spent 30 million pounds on him in January, so I just think you see a lot of teams, that kind of the cat's out of the bag, where people know now that don't buy to panic. It's probably better to play a youth product, maybe get a loan if you're going to do anything. Um, and so you're seeing a lot less action this window.
1: Yeah. Um, we're going to get a little bit more into transfers in a second. I had one more question for you on Spurs. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but do you think, is there a premier league player that looks more suitable to be like in a English boy band than Harry Winks who scored the winner for Spurs? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, his name kind of works. If you haven't seen a picture of him... I'll he does kind of look like he's Twitter. in Leia, yeah, One Direction. He totally could. Harry Wiggs, like, he could walk off the pitch after a match for Spurs and, like, walk right into a concert for One Direction or something. I swear to God.
0: Yeah. I kind of think Koscielny from uh, Arsenal could be in, like, a French boy band, but he's... he's a little bit older, momentary. Yeah, he's got, like, a different style. Maybe Yeah, him and yeah, Giroux. Him and Giroux they, of, they, like, they, like, retired. Their, their band, like, was big in, like, the early 2000s, and, like, now they're past it or whatever.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, so... Um, There really hasn't been a lot of transfer news. Like we were talking about, you you were kind of saying there, there's not a lot of big moves in January right now. A couple small ones. Um, So just like some lower Premier League teams that might be trying to make moves to reinforce themselves, stay up. Ryan Babel went to Fulham. Um, He actually came over from um, Ajax at this point. He had been there a couple of times, right? And he played for Liverpool for a while, or ex- excuse me, from Besiktas. Yeah, Besiktas, not Ajax. um But he was at Liverpool for a while. He's 32 now, um, so like another attacking player for Fulham to try to get some more goals. And what do you think of that?
0: Anything? Yeah, Ryan Babbel's an interesting transfer. He was at Liverpool a long time ago with like that John Ariza, Steven Gerrard, um, Robbie Fowler team. Like, and I remember when he was coming up, people he was kind of highly touted and then fell off and, and got phased out of the team. Good for him being coming back to England. He, he had some discipl-
1: disciplinary issues as well. Yes, in the he's, past. he's, he's
0: got, his hair is like dyed red, so he looks like like a crayon when he's running around. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, it's weird, but he looked really good uh, on the weekend against Spurs. So full, you know, full credit to him being back in the Premier League. Thirty-two. Hopefully, he's a decent year and plays one more year after that. Um, on the theme of kind of fringe strikers in the Premier League, Omar Nias uh, finally left Everton uh, to join Cardiff. I think that was just um, alone though, wasn't it? Uh, Yes, yes, uh, for for the end of the season. I think so. I think you're right. Um, That's a transfer that, you know, if you're thinking about sexy transfers, that is at the bottom of your scale. I love how whenever we bring up Cardiff, we just blast them even when they try and make transfers, but...
1: yeah, I mean, hey, we don't even really talk uh, a lot of smack towards Everton necessarily, but he would be one of the few guys in their squad that we would be hating on. I mean, we're kind of biased. He flopped around a lot against Palace. Yeah, he just runs
0: around kind of like team. a headless chicken. Like he's a he's a he reminds he's just like a striker with some pace. And I guess he's not even that fast. He just doesn't stop running, and so it's like it's, it's cool, but he doesn't really do anything for me. So yeah,
1: confirmed uh, that is just a loan deal. But still, I mean, I guess Cardiff don't have anybody going forward, so that's probably still an upgrade for them. Yeah. Um, and then another one, so this kind of hits close to home for us a little bit, but Yannick Bellassi, uh was on loan at Aston Villa, the championship, getting recalled by Everton. I don't really know if he'll get into that squad at all. He wasn't playing great for Villa. Uh, he was coming off the bench a lot.
0: Yeah, he's, he's back at Everton. He says he wants to play. This this is how desperate we are for transfer news. We're letting you know when players get back from loan from their championship clubs. Um, again, the January window is not thrilling. Belasi is a player who we like personally. Um, Shout out Nick Harmon, uh, who was the end of the last pod with his his trivia. He uh, considers himself very close personal friends with Yannick Belasi, although I'm not sure Yannick would say the same. Um, So we follow Yannick, but hopefully he turns it around to Everton because his career is quickly getting getting away from him before he gets into his 30s and becomes obscure. Um, The other name that we'll throw around... Maybe the the last the transfer that we're hearing might come through by the end of the window. It seems like it's coming through days.
1: soon. I've heard pretty good. things Would be about
0: Gonzalo Higuain going back to play for Maurizio Sarri at Chelsea, uh, and then Alvaro Morata, Chelsea's big name striker, going back to Spain. I think he'd, he'd be um, going
1: to Atletico Madrid.
0: Yes. So th- anyway, th- those are I mean those are big names. Alvaro Morata was a, I think a fifty seven million pound signing for Chelsea. A uh, huge name from uh, played played at Real Madrid, and then Inoyen Gonzalo is an Argentinian striker, currently playing at AC Milan, um, and can't really get in the game. I watched AC Milan play this morning. He didn't really he, he didn't play, um, and he's become coming under a lot of criticism from AC Milan's head coach Gennaro Ivan Gattuso.
1: So the, the thing, news with uh, Inoyen is apparently they were waiting on a replacement, which they have um, Piatek, another striker that they signed. Anyway. Talking Premier League here. So, NYE would be moving on loan to Chelsea for the rest of the season. And then, in turn, um, they would be sending Murata over to Atletico Madrid on loan. And it sounds like with an option to buy for like between 40 and 50 million after
0: that. Casual, yeah. So,
1: I guess basically what Sorry saying is Murata's not going to cut it here, but we probably still need someone to replace him. So,. Um, I guess Olivier Giroud is not that guy so let's bring in someone else yeah I, 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 you gotta
0: feel bad for Olivier Giroud he, again he had that he, seems like he, he's always smiling, though. he had that failed boy band and he <laughs> still can't get a game in um, And he, I mean I guess he won the World Cup this summer so I don't feel too bad for him but like he's sitting there on that bench screaming out for playing time um, and he can't get goals and can't get minutes now also I did say I was watching AC Milan this morning I was watching a little bit as well I'm like 90% sure Gennaro Gattuso was dueling the head coach for AC Mom was hitting his jewel on the sidelines. He kept, on kept the cutting to him
1: up, like, in his area, and he had his fist over his mouth, like someone who was jeweling but trying to hide it. Like, I think mean, you're, you're not supposed to jewel at the train stop. A couple of my friends will try to, like, sneak little puffs. And it sort of looked like he was doing. You couldn't actually see a jewel or an e sig or whatever it would have been, but it sure looked like he had one.
0: Yeah, uh, that that blew my mind. And funny thing is, like he and then we're talking about them going to Sari, and sorry is a huge so it wouldn't
1: surprise me. And they all try to. They all smoke. Italians, man, they love it. They love it. Um,
0: That yeah, he's either jewel. I'm pretty sure though.
1: Don't quote me on this, but I think jewels are like pretty heavily banned in Europe at this point. Um, They they nipped him in the bud pretty quick.
0: So yeah, there you go. Uh, For the local police officers in around Milan. If you're listening, we think we've found a culprit. Yeah, um, go confiscate,
1: confiscate yeah, it from him. Yeah, go
0: get it. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, the the other thing with Inwayne, Inwayne's a huge name. He's been on the, uh, like on the international uh, international scene with Argentina, been at a couple of huge clubs, been at Napoli, been at Real Madrid, um, and he's always kind of, I mean, for me, he's a lot like Murata. They both bounce around a lot, and... I just think that if someone's a truly a good number nine, you don't play for that many teams. It's a, just a little weird. It's kind of a, it's a red flag for me. Um, and I know, I just think Chelsea have. I would rather see them like go to go internally and like try and play someone either from their academy or play Giroud, who they already have, as opposed to like going and buying. That e. doesn't e. So work. Just, they have
1: to sell their guys from their academy and then buy them. Back. It just seems like more of the same. <laughs> like uh, Chelsea. So um, are, I think the thing was, I mean, within Wayne, I think it's worth it if they're going to get them on loan, try them for six months. I think the thing right now, and we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, you and I did, with Chelsea is sorry's really rigid when it comes to his system. He like wants to implement his formation, his type of style that he brought over from Napoli. And I don't know if they really fit that. He has um, basically hasn't given Murata much of a chance lately, and so they have Hazard kind of filling in that striker yeah. role, which is what he did with some shorter guys like that back in Napoli, and it worked, but it's not working as well. Right now, and they're not very consistent with that. I think they need they need a forward to play above him, and so maybe that is in Wayne. I think it's worth trying. Um, but that might be part of their issue, is that he's just not really mixing it up enough.
0: Yeah, which kind of... So, which segments really well into our uh, our next two talking points here before we get into trivia. There were two huge things that happened in the media over this past week. Uh, one...
1: With really famous managers. Yes.
0: Uh, first one, Maurizio Sarri, about 30 minutes after they just lost. Chelsea lost to Arsenal over the weekend, 2-0. Um, and, you know, Hector Bellerin out for the season with a knee injury. Sorry, Hector. Uh, you're very well They went for
1: Arsenal. We're not really going to get into it, but shout out Arsenal. Huge win.
0: Yeah, anyway. well done. Unai Emery, again, my guy. Um, but with about 30 minutes thirty minutes after the game, Maurizio Sarri called a press conference with a translator and if you haven't if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you just to search on Twitter, Google it, watch the video. He he usually does his press conferences in English um, and tries because he's trying to learn English because which is a big thing for a lot of managers. And he brought in a translator and essentially went on for about six or seven minutes about how the current group of players at Chelsea are particularly difficult to motivate and he've had, he's having a hard time getting the best out of them, and that Chelsea lost to Arsenal simply because of their mentality. Their mentality was weak. The players didn't want it enough. Um, and he said tactics kind of went out the window. doesn't really matter what their tactics were because the other team wanted it more badly than they did. So I think it's interesting.
1: interesting. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. It's a really bold move from Sari, um, basically calling out the players to the media with the translator, making sure that, hey, they know this is a really serious message and he doesn't want it to be misconstrued at all. And I think it's really interesting from Sari, where he is taking a risk saying, hey, you know what, we had Jose Mourinho here, we had uh, Antonio Conte here, two really, really highly regarded managers that couldn't necessarily get the squad motivated. They couldn't stay around for more than like a year or two. And it's been the same old thing with Chelsea. And I think it's kind of a problem. They haven't really changed up that core group of players either over that time. And so maybe guys like David Luiz, Eden Hazard, uh, Willian, and you know i don't know maybe they're just not motivated when they need to be or like if they're not in the title race it's not there and it's interesting from sorry that you know that team can react react two ways they can either say oh man we don't like this guy either let's get someone else in there or they can kind of like buck up and and start to play better but i don't know i mean it's a bold move as a manager and it's definitely a risk. yeah it's in some ways, I
0: respect it because I think it is a shock to the to Chelsea system. Chelsea it, it needs it needs to be said, right? Chelsea's team um, they have a, they have one of the best players in the world in Hazard. They have a couple other superstars: Antonio Rudiger, David Luiz, Kepa,
1: ngolo Conte, Ngo, Conte Marcus Jorginho, Alonso. Marcus
0: Alonso, Pedro. Like they have a stacked team, and managers are kind of coming in and out, right? Like, say, sorry doesn't make it for the end of this year. That it's uh, three managers in the last four seasons. And they're supposed to be, you know, you think flashback to like middle the 2000s. They were winning everything. They were the Man City or the Liverpool. And so I think a shock to the system is needed, but I don't know if it's going to work. And I don't think it's going to work because I don't think – I think sorry was way – like bad management tactics 101. Like he was way too accusatory towards his team. I think if you're trying to fix a motivational issue, you need to call it out for what it is. But if your issue is motivation, how – fucking demotivating is it to get yelled at in the media publicly by your manager who's using a translator for the first time ever. That's like the most demotivating thing. That's like the most ruthless demotivating like Borderline unfair thing. And if you have a motivation issue, I don't think that's the way to solve it. I think you need to do something a little bit more with, you know, more radical candor where you take your team and do it in the locker room, maybe say some of it in the media and then say, hey, me's a yeah, manager. I need to improve. I don't. I,
1: well, maybe he does has done it in the, the locker room and we haven't maybe, seen it. Maybe, you know, yeah. maybe it's gotten to that point where he's, he's obviously, if he had the translator planned and everything, it's something he's thought about doing for a while where he. You know, It wasn't just like a spur of the moment, I'm going to blow up at a press conference. It was definitely more calculated. So maybe he has tried other methods that haven't worked. But all, all in all, I mean, I think there will be some players in that on that team that definitely don't react the right way to it. And so overall, we're going to have to see how they come out their next match. But it was really interesting. The other um, – we can move on, I guess, unless you have anything else there. Yeah, I just say – quick prediction just
0: goes to show I'm, I'm going to say – Ridge is going to say that by the end of the season – Chelsea aren't in the qualifying for the Champions League because I think this is the turning point. I think it's going to get ugly. I think it's going to be almost like Jose at United.
1: But, well, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, I also think that the other we didn't really talk about it too much, but Eden Hazard is potentially on his way out the door to Real Madrid, which is another storyline that's a distraction and that's probably not good for their locker room. And I don't know, so necessarily think I'll go that far, but I do think that at this point they just lost straight up to Arsenal and United's creeping. So they're three points ahead of both of them. You can hold
0: me to that. They're if, very vulnerable at this Sorry,
1: sorry, is their manager this time next season? I'll be, I'll be surprised. Well, it'd just be the same old for them. Yep. Um, so the other story that we wanted to briefly address this isn't Premier League, but it is uh, the English Championship. So one league down, and it's revolving a really high, highly like regarded manager as well, Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, Bielsa, excuse me, who is the manager at Leeds United right now? who have been up at the top of the championship for most of the season. And so they were playing against Darby County, uh, managed by Frank Lampard, actually, former Chelsea legend. And uh, training leading up to the match against Derby, Frank Lampard or someone spotted some suspicious guy at the training ground. They, like, investigated a little bit more and realized it's Leeds' employee. Somewhere, Solo Bielsa had been spying. Spygate? Uh, yes, yeah, so they're calling it Spygate. They found him spying on their training session, and... Bielsa comes out in the media and basically says that he's been doing this for every match for years and (laughs) basically owned up to the entire thing, didn't try to hide it at all. So anyway, what are your thoughts? Insane. Like So uh,
0: first of all, there's a bunch of different angles to this. I think Marcelo Bielsa is – he's had a lot of success throughout his management career. And then he come – what he did, the way he – so he he was asked about, hey, one of your staff members was found at Darby's training facility – What do you have to say? And he's like – he just owned up to it straight away. He's like, yep, that was me. That's my guy. We do that. We watch training sessions. Um, And then he presented to all these reporters like a 45-minute dossier um, about how different teams play, the video footage on certain players and what they do. And check and like it was insanely detailed. It was like so calculated, which was insight into – how he manages and how he has been managing for a long time Um, and
1: I thought the way he reacted just to say yeah we do that I've been doing that for a long time that's insane and he like defended it like hey I need to do that because we work so hard we spend hundreds of hours a week watching Training and this and that, insane, and, insane. And that. like basically, the way that he went about it is, you you'd think this guy would be a scumbag, or the media would be out on him, and all these fans would be because hey, he's been spying and right, yeah, it's a really dirty thing. for years. And they're all like, well, I kind of respect it now because – It's amazing. It's like a lot of Leeds fans are
0: like, oh, he's taking us to the – because they're top of the championship right now. They should be in the Premier League.
1: Clubs are like wanting them to investigate. Like should they be docked points, this and that, because they want an advantage on Leeds right now. And the funny thing is they'll
0: probably be in the Premier League next season. And then what happens if he's doing this in the Premier League? So that's part of the reason why we want to talk about it on the pod because you might see Spygate and Marcel Bielsa this time next season. Uh, But it is
1: just a crazy concept. It's that morality thing. Like, hey, it's – he basically said it's not something illegal yeah he's like it's not he's like I know it's I know it's not gonna look good but it's not illegal and we want to win so we're gonna do everything we can and so it's kind of that moral question as a fan or a supporter you're like hey like do you do anything it takes to win and he's just like yeah we're gonna sorry. Yeah,
0: extremely controversial. But If
1: like, you hate it, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, my, Marcelo Bielsa, that could be the name of this
0: segment, basically. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Um, all right, cool. So let's let's uh, transition out. We want some follow-up questions if you want to know more about um, Sorry or our takes on Bielsa. Those are huge topics. But, yeah,
1: we're going a little long. So uh, we're going to get to trivia and then our uh, top 11 here. So, Chris, I'll, I'll just jump into
0: trivia. It's going to be pretty simple. I'm going to give you 45 seconds because you've only got five names you need to guess. Um, and... Honestly, I think it's pretty easy. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna give you 45 seconds as opposed to a minute. Um, but I'm going to need you to give me the five longest-serving Premier League managers. Three, two, one, go. Currently or all-time? Currently.
1: Oh, this should be pretty easy. Um, okay, longest-serving managers. Eddie Howe.
0: Yes, he's number one.
1: Bournemouth. Um, we'll go with Maurizio Pochettino.
0: Yes, he's number three.
1: Um,
0: Jurgen Klopp. Yes, he's number five. Um, One, three, and five. You're missing two. You've got
1: twenty. Not Roy Hodgson, right? Nope. Um, Oh god, this is getting difficult now. Now you've got fifteen seconds near the bottom. Oh man, ten seconds. This is really bad. Actually, I can't even. Five seconds.
0: All right, stop. 45 seconds. You've got two managers. I didn't guess anyone wrong. but Nobody wrong. You didn't really put yourself out there. Very conservative approach. It was not very good, um, Well,
1: So you've got two managers. No one in the top
0: six. Nope. Um, I'll give you uh, – you've got unlimited time to guess Guess the next two. I don't want to get them
1: wrong is kind of the thing because there's only 20 guesses, so uh, it was kind of a little bit of a different style there. Um, I'm not very happy with myself, though. I shouldn't be able to get them such a small sample size. Well, you know, it's it's hard when the mic's... Well, you know, I was like, I was going the, through, I was like, top six, no, and then we got West Ham, no, Everton, no, Watford, no. I mean, I can't imagine the pressure when the clock's ticking, and you've, you know, you've got to guess. <laughs> I <can't laughs> Hey, imagine. I got, well, Eddie Howe is number one, he's been there forever, Klopp, okay, so these are all bottom half teams then, yeah? Uh, yes, yes, and... currently. They've
0: both been in the Premier League for, um, they're not newly promoted teams. Oh, uh...
1: I should have gotten Sean Dyche. Yeah, he's second. Who would be the other one? Um, This is not very good radio at this point. Give me a hint. Uh, It's Crystal Palace Rival. Oh, Brighton. Chris Hewton? Yes, Chris Hewton, Who? Chris so, Hewton. I don't f- think I would have guessed that. Chris right? Hewton,
0: full credit to you. You. I think you're in your 60s. You look like you're 35. I don't know if you, you ever... To this <laughs> he year? is. He's kind of got a weird
1: look to him. Yeah, good looking guy. Full credit. Um. Anyway, that wasn't very good, but... It's kind of interesting, so only one of those guys was top six. Actually, only one of them was even top half then, right? Or no, I guess Bournemouth are top half at the moment,
0: aren't Yeah, at the moment. It is It is definitely the the place to be, the sweet spot is those teams that you get promoted. You've, Bournemouth, you've, Burnley, those teams. Yes, you've given yourself the the right to kind of run your club, um, and then even if results don't go your way for a little while, you kind of survive those rush, rough patches, but... Yeah. I mean Klopp has been there for a while, but it's just interesting because like Sir Alex Ferguson was the one that is considered the greatest manager in Premier League history and was there for forever. And, and United, United. Yeah, Arsene Wenger. Yeah, there isn't really anyone like that. No, and
1: it's interesting too, and I think it's even getting worse and worse. And you see this in other sports too, like the NFL, but like – or college football or anything. Um, the leash is so short that a lot of these guys are gone in their first yeah. year. I mean I was thinking about it. Those top five, I was just thinking – I was like, all right, right, who's been at their club for more than a season? And it's hard. There's not that many.
0: No, it's crazy. And like, yeah, the expectations are so high. Um, and now maybe with less spending in January, who knows, maybe that'll change a little bit. Maybe it'll, it'll
1: ebb and flow, but. All right. Well, I didn't do that great, but I got more than half. So let's move (laughs) on here. Let's do, we're going to do, I don't know. Why do you say that you don't want to call this your dream team?
0: Well, okay. So yeah, this, this segment's into, so what we're doing right now, we're going to give you our premier league. We kind of selected, uh, a starting 11 based on form so far this season. Um, so it's not like, could you pick any player? Because like, for example, to Kevin De Bruyne is not in my team, even though I think he's probably the best player in the league. He's not in my team because he hasn't played that much this season. So it's like our
1: team in the season so far.
0: Team in the season so far, yes. I also tried to pick some players who are performing well based on – like because you could easily take like nine Liverpool players I feel like based on their squad and how they've been playing and like two city players. Didn't want to do that. your
1: squad. I'm looking at it right Yeah, now. I know. I tried <laughs> to. You didn't do a very good job. I tried to – you did yours first, and I tried to make mine a little bit different. I would have had some repeats regardless. I have a few that overlap. Um, all right, so I'm just going to give you my. And we also have three subs. Yeah, I'll give you my Premier League eleven. Then you go yours, and then we'll wait, wait. Go. Should we go? We should go by position, like goalkeepers, then defenders, then midfielders, and forwards. All right, yeah,
0: like we're like it's pro, like it's the Pro Bowl or something. Kind um, of, yeah. Okay, sweet. So in goal, <laughs> I've got Lukas Fabianski from West Ham. Okay, and I had Allison from Liverpool. Okay, and then my back four across the back is Juan Bissaka from Palace, Virgil van Dyke from Liverpool, Antonio Rudiger from Chelsea, and Andy Robertson from Liverpool.
1: Okay, so two Liverpool guys. Uh, anyway, I had two of the same side, so Juan Bissaka and Virgil van Dyke as well. I think van Dyke's the best defender in the world right now. And then I also had Laporte yeah, in yeah. Man City because I think he's probably their best center back right now. And I think you have to include someone from their back line. And then I also had Lucas Digne. Yeah, whoever Luca Dean, is, Lucas who however you say his name. He, <laughs> he's um, been really surprising. And I think he's, he's a good pick as a fullback here as well.
0: Yeah, he's been very good going forward. Uh, for me, well, obviously, Wambasaka is a no brainer for both of us. Wambasaka, if, te- if he's in the team of the season coming into the year, I'll be shocked.
1: Um, unless you know, unless it's just if. if unless they're like, well, I guess because Alexander Arnold's been hurt too. He would be the other uh, that everyone's big on. Yeah, because uh, Kyle Walker's not yet, having a great year, Walker, or um, probably Esper Laqueda who might have been over there. So.
0: Right. Um, but AWB is is classy. I'm really nervous that a big team's going to come and swoop in from Palace. But either way, two over two two players overlapping in our back line. I like Antonio Rudiger a lot I've watched Chelsea a he's few been times good. yeah he's impressive uh, freak athlete really quick uh and is starting to kind of
1: become that almost he like charty he came John from Terry. bayern didn't he yeah he's a big signing that kind of went under the radar today. yeah he's Ger-
0: yeah he's he's german um i really i really really rate him and then Andy robertson for me is probably the best left back in the premier league at this time which is crazy cuz You know, people always retweet his tweet from like eight years ago when he was like, "Oh, it sucks not having a job." And then like now he's like one of the best.
1: I would have maybe picked uh, Robertson too. I just wanted to mix it up there and not do like the same defense, but he's been great as well. Um, So I'm I'm cool with that. And then we we, Chris and I set out with
0: different tactical (laughs) We have different
1: formations. Okay, and to be fair, this isn't how I would line up tactically. I just wanted to include these players that I would felt like would fit this mold. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make it a four three three. So I'm going to change it up bold move you're just going to take one of your midfielders and put him up
0: top. All right, well, I'm yeah, going exactly. to I'll I'll give you my uh I'll give you my my midfield 5 um and then we'll you can give me your 3 and then we'll go. I'll go one to your 3. Okay. Um so my midfield 5 I have in holding in a holding midfield role. I have Fernandinho and Roberto Pereira uh from Watford. Pereira's been classy as much as I hate to say it. I, he he's got really bad hair. Uh, it's like a little Watford. tuft of hair on top of his head. Bias right take
1: hate Watford. Yeah, but
0: Pereira's been brilliant. He's really good. Um,
1: he's really, really good. Um, you could also... DeCori has been really good for them Decore as well, is good too. And if I'm doing a holding
0: midfielder, I'd probably pick DeCori. But uh, I put Pereira in my team. With, and then Fernandinho. Fernandinho's in there because when he doesn't play for City, they're a totally different team. They he don't, might be
1: the, their most important player right now. I think he is. Because they're so... They have so much depth going forward, and he's their one like holding midfielder that they kind of can't replace right now. Yeah,
0: he, he links that defense and attack. So, um, And then after that, the three attacking midfielders I have are Raheem Sterling, Eden Hazard, and Mo Salah in no particular order. Uh, Sterling probably had the hottest start to the season, and then Hazard kind of had that middle spell, and Salah's just been getting goals throughout. But Salah's kind of cooled off over the last few weeks. That being said, he still scored two goals over the weekend. I don't think he played very well against Palace. He's just like almost like a poacher or a winger. Um, and he's been flopping quite a bit, so people around on him about that. But uh, that midfield three, if you could pick that, I mean, that's insane. Those three players are nuts.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> again, this is... Technically, I don't know if I would win if I went my, my, like, up against your team the way I'm lining up. But I okay, guess so I'm doing three guys in the midfield here. So I'm going to have Hazard as well in that group. Yeah. And then I'm going to do Ryan Frazier from Bournemouth and Christian Erickson from Spurs. I like Eriksen. So Frazier... Is he one of the best three or best 11 in the Prem there? Like, no, of course not. But he's been unbelievable. Bournemouth have been great. He's been linking up with Callum Wilson a ton. I think he is either tied for first or he's in second in assists in the Premier League right now with Hazard. Like, I think he definitely deserves some recognition yeah. there. And then Erickson has been really solid for Spurs. They're kind of, especially right now, you notice they're hurt with some injuries, some missing like, key and he's players. he's still there. And he's always there. He's feeding guys. He creates goals himself. I think he's really, really important. Really classy when you watch Spurs, too. He's so classy. He never looks bad. Like, he he impresses you every time. Uh, So I'm going to put him there as well. And then Hazard is obvious. We don't really need to talk about him more.
0: Yeah, and then up top, I've got Harry Kane. I don't know. It's kind of weird picking a striker this season because, especially over the past few years, like Aubameyang has a bunch of goals. I don't, but he's also disappeared in a few games. Like he had one of the worst games I've ever seen when Arsenal played he Liverpool. Had five touches or something. five touches in the whole game, like, <laughs> so that's bad. so bad. Like you, you have like you have to like try to avoid the ball that like that. I don't know. I think it the number nine goal score position, especially with the way some of these top teams play, with getting so many midfielders involved, you're getting so many more goals out of midfielder midfield players. The whole like number nine role of like big tower and center forward. It's almost like you know kind of teetering out of the game for these big teams right Well, now. that's
1: why, so I put three guys So forward, I Harry Kane up there. and I think you could put Salah as a forward, like the way he plays. Probably so yeah. I have him up there uh, with Kane, and then I also have Aubameyang. So I agree with you, Aubameyang is a little more inconsistent. You kind of see games where he disappears a little bit, but uh, regardless, he's tied for the league in goals right now. Him, Kane, and Salah all have 14. Yeah. So are the four, three guys I have up top. And I think that, We'll see what will happen with Kane with this injury. Uh, I think at this point, is probably the favorite to get the Golden Boot again. But
0: yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully, Juan Saka wins penalties.
1: Young Player of the Year, because that's the major one,
0: unfortunately. <clears> yeah,
1: so we're pretty similar when it comes to those attacking guys. I just have a Bamiyang in there as well, and I don't have um, Sterling would be the difference.
0: Yeah, if you peek back to, we did some forecasted awards for the season in terms of who's going to win Golden Boot and Best Player and stuff. Um, no, De Gea. De Gea didn't really make it into... He was almost my top goalkeeper because he single-handedly won that game against Spurs that United won the, the other week. Um, so he almost made into my team. Um, on the bench, though, players who – and there are a bunch of players who I kind of felt bad, like not recognizing. Ryan yeah. Frazier
1: being one of them. It was really tough. We uh, have two of the same bench guys here. So
0: yeah, we both have – Chris and I both have Felipe Anderson and Leroy
1: Sané on our benches. Um, similar players, wingers. They've both been doing it. Uh, <laughs> the only thing that I would think was interesting on my end is that I, I put Sané in there ahead of Sterling right now. Uh, yeah, no, you're Matt a little bit you're a little higher on Sterling than I am. I love Sterling, but I just think Sané has been unbelievable. I think I saw there's a stat that he's uh, been involved in a goal in eight of his last nine home starts. Yeah, it's impressive. He's, he's good. Really, really I mean, good. I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna say it. yeah. He's brilliant. you could put Sterling there too. Uh, but... And
0: then I've got Roberto Pereira, the Leicester outside back, who actually started this past weekend when Leicester lost to Wolves four three in a thriller. He actually started at right wing, like right midfield, um, and he's been really really classy. He had no goal this past weekend, but he, until this week, yeah, he's yeah, um, he's had he's had a lot of assists from the right back position. So much so that they actually started him a little further forward. So he's been in my, I uh, mean, my subs as
1: well. Yeah, I just decided that I didn't need a defender on my bench, so I went with Rashford. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Three attackers on the bench, but I think Rashford. Uh, there's a few United guys that I thought about putting in here. And then I was thinking, I was like, I can't put anyone in my starting 11 for United. They have not been that good this year. But just recency bias, the last few weeks, yeah. was looked like someone who might finish there at the end of the year. And Rashford has been really, really good as of late. He scored an awesome goal this weekend. And he's I looked, he's got eight goals and eight assists. So you think, especially someone who hasn't started every match for them, he's really coming into form and he's got the numbers to back it up. So I'm going to put him there as well. Yeah, he's good. Uh, to round up the... the Three subs there.
0: Yeah, there you go. So if our teams played, my team would probably win just from a tactical superiority mm-hmm. piece. Chris's team might have better. Well, I, I have Ryan Fraser on my team. Yeah, so he, like... I, we would exploit Ryan Fraser for sure. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but to, to kind of tie it off here, we're gonna we're gonna mix in another clip from our our questioning over the holidays with with some of our listeners. Andrew Lockman, we're gonna throw him in on the end here. Shout out Andrew um, over in New York City. Um, but other announcement is a Twitter related.
1: Yeah, I started a little Twitter account. The handle is at goes to show um oh at goes to show pod excuse me so give it a follow if you haven't already we'll be tweeting out like links to all the episodes maybe uh tweeting some interesting like funny stuff um from other accounts we, we follow on there and then also like if you want to do any questions and answer topics we want to talk about anything like that just shoot us a little message or a tweet and that'll be a good way to communicate yeah, Um that way you guys can, we can share updates every week. In terms of we when, might do some like Q and A stuff, maybe some polls, things like that going forward. We try to get a little more interaction, but we, it'll only happen if a lot of people follow us. So do that.
0: Yeah, followers are, are tight. Um Also, Chris and I wear jerseys whenever we do this, so we wear kits like. Yeah, we were going to talk
1: about maybe incorporating them. So, what are you wearing today, Jack? We're gonna, we've been doing different ones every I'm time. I'm wearing
0: my yellow. Crystal Palace alternate third kit with like it's a red and blue stripe down the middle, um, and it's Max Meyer on the back. Max Meyer scored his first ever Crystal Palace goal against Liverpool. First Premier League goal. Uh, first Premier League goal. Yes, 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 scored, yes. You're right. Um, and then what do you wear?
1: I have it's there's no name on it, but it is a Boston United so what league are they in now Boston United are non-professional well um, semi are they semi-professional semi-professional they, non-professional? Yeah, like, non-professional they might professional
0: the <laughs> they, they are pretty sure Boston United is a team like below in, in England there are four levels of, of English football that are considered professional so Premier League Championship League 1 League 2 Boston United is below League 2 in like the you know grimy professional gritty semi-professional all these guys where, like
1: work at the factory right And then um, they're like teams. the 6th or 7th division so it's an orange kit it's actually Nike sponsored by Kia somehow
0: well, they've like, a sp- they like a, it's not like it's sponsored by Kia. They're sponsored by a certain Kia
1: dealership, like, it's, it's like <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's uh, it's Drayton Motors Kia, so whoever that is, it's probably local. Right. And they're also the Pilgrims. So, um, well, maybe we'll set out a picture of this one. This is a pretty classy one. But um, yeah, go ahead and we'll we'll throw another clip in here at the end. But other than that, I don't really have anything else to. Do.
0: No, that's it. Just goes to show. Follow
1: us on Twitter. Yeah, everybody's human. Thanks for listening again, guys. See you later. Cheers.
0: welcome back Andrew Lockman to the pod Andrew who um, was just in England for the palace victory over Man City and is famous for getting sacked in the first six months of any job he gets in football manager Andrew welcome
1: thanks lads alright Andrew you ready yep we're coming at you in three, two, one, go favorite Premier League player Wilfred Zaha least favorite Premier League player Phil Jones favorite Premier League goalkeeper Vicente Guaita. best style in the Premier League Man City Favorite Premier League manager.
0: Uh, Jurgen Klopp. If you played, what position would you play? Central midfield. Favorite pint. Strongbow. In ground pie. Favorite.
1: Uh, chicken Balti. Favorite FIFA nineteen team to play with. PSG. All right, you've got to start,
0: sit, and captain these three players. Salah, Hazard, Kane.
1: Start, sit, captain. Uh, Captain Sala start Kane sit Hazard
0: that's a wrap